0: Hey, Kitchener fame seekers, what's up? This is Jesse from Kitchener Famous with Jesse and Jay. We're cordially inviting you to like and subscribe all of our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on Twitter, all at Kitchener Famous. We'd also invite you to check out our new merch line. We've got baseball shirts, T-shirts, hats, and masks all available on all of our social media platforms. And from all of us at the show, have a happy new year. Here's to 2021. And now, back to the show. Best timed one <laughs> yeah. yet. Like
1: we didn't even count it down no. or nothing. We were no. just on it, guys. You didn't do the three, <laughs> right? The, the Wayne's Road thing were five, four. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> you're nodding. <Yeah.
2: laughs> you're cheers. You're nodding. Thank you. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. So welcome back, uh, welcome back, all of our listeners. Um, we've got Chris Corrigan from the Lancaster Smokehouse down with us. Um, I'm here. He's here, and he's here with. Papa John McKinley. <laughs> and yeah, we're uh, we're having a chat with uh with Chris Corgan now. So, Chris, why don't you uh tell us a little bit you open you guys opened in 2011. Why don't you guys what, tell us a bit about why you decided to First it was Hogtails, right? And then yeah. you came to Yeah. the Smokehouse. So, why don't you give us a little rundown of how you
2: came to wow. open Wow. the whole the whole very short story is uh You know, Hogtail started up and was so wildly successful uh, with lineups out the doors and that uh, we knew we needed uh, a bigger venue and a bigger space. And uh, um, actually, the Lank was was my old drinking haunt back when I was like 16. My dad used to take me there to watch like hockey games and shit. And then I'd drive home. Yeah. You know, the 25 cent drafts and stuff and the men's room and the ladies and escorts, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My uh, my dad actually said
0: he knew you and your brother. He went to school with you and your brother. I think potentially Mike yeah. Weber. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I remember the name certainly. Yeah. Jesse. So my yeah, dad, for sure. my dad was talking to me this morning. He's like, I think yeah. I went to high school with him. Yeah, could yeah. be. How old's your dad? Uh, f- uh, he's twenty-two years, fifty-five. So,
2: oh, so he's uh, he. I must have been out of out of high school by the time he started. Because You, cause I, you I'm have a, a younger bit brother older than that. <laughs> you have a younger brother. Yeah, I have four younger brothers. Right. As a matter
0: of fact. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so. I think he was talking about one of your brothers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I just uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was I w- I had engaged um. Uh, a local commercial real estate guy and and we were sitting around the table one day and my wife was there and we were flipping through the listings and the guy was saying, you know, what about this? What about this? And out of the blue, my wife said like, what about the Lank? And I said, I don't have the faintest idea. I haven't been inside the place in 22 years. I don't don't know what it's like, who owns it, anything. So uh, believe it or not, we left that meeting. We got in the car, drove down there and like went by and it was a summer day I remember the front door was open and you could see like right, right back in, to yeah. the bar and we yeah. drove like real quiet by and yeah, you know, anyways, make a long story short. Um, uh, my, my, uh, uh, guys got a hold of, uh, the then owner, Mike Kelly and it just, the timing was perfect. Cause Mike was 65 looking to retire, didn't know how to get out of the place. Uh, was really, you know, not using it anywhere near its fullest. Basically it was a, private basement for drinking beer for a few guys yeah. uh regulars and uh he, he, he would owned have
1: it for how many
2: 20, years 20 years exa- oh no actually wow. i sh- i robbed him 2 months shy of his 20th oh. year owning it oh wow <laughs> so right. yeah, 19 years and 10 months yeah it yeah. was it was uh <laughs> it was too bad but anyways he uh he just when he heard what I wanted to do at the place, he just said, yep, let's... And we actually hand shook on a deal. No oh, wow. formal written offer to purchase and stuff. I mean, we had to write that up after the fact, but it yeah. was basically, let's cook up a price, shake hands on the deal, and sign our There you so, go.
1: So where does the idea for the Southern uh, Barbecue uh, come in? Well, that's, again,
2: a long story, but... <laughs> no, that's why we're <laughs> no, here, no, man. I mean, we I, want to uh, hear it. Yeah, Should I... It. I um, I had always been into sort of home cooking. It's just what I did. Like, you know, we'd have parties at our place on the. Way. Well, in fact, it goes even back further than that. I was telling John before you guys came down that this reminds me of going into a guy's named Mitch Rhodes's basement in high school. <laughs> and Mitch Rhodes was he had some pretty eclectic parents. They were, they were cool dudes. Uh, like they used to grow dope in their front window. Like wait, <laughs> you know. now we're talking. We're when talking 40-some-odd 40, 40 years ago, right? Yeah, so the days we were And, now. like, their one son was kind of a wayward kid, and the cops would bring him home, and they'd be standing there, and the cops would be standing, and <laughs> we're all fucking stoned, and the cops would be standing there in the front hallway dragging his brother in, and the dope plants are, and everybody would be standing in front of the dope uh. plants going like this. Right? <laughs> is that is that but, the basement with Tippy in it? Yeah, well, I get to that. Oh, so, oh no. go down the basement, similar to this setup, Low lighting, you know the whole thing. and uh, one one year his dog died. His dog's name was Tippy. So believe it or not, they wrapped the fucker up in cello in saran wrap and put it in the freezer because they wanted to eventually have it stuffed what? so oh, so we used god. to go down there all the time and everybody's <laughs> hammered and you'd go oh, let's take a look and check out tippy make sure she's still alive oh, oh, oh my god did it ever get stuffed no i don't still know. in the
1: freezer You yeah, <laughs> that, were going to use
3: it as the doorstop that, that's,
2: a, that's <laughs> an aside but i had to tell that story because of, of the, the basement look here so oh, but anyway uh, anyways Tippi. yeah poor tippy oh.
0: That's the name of the episode, Poor Tippy. Poor, Poor tippy. tippy. So oh, my heart breaks for that. So, anyways, I mean,
2: I, I just, I got into my grandmother was, um, was a great home, you know, sort of uh, German heritage, uh, yeah, uh, Mennonite heritage cook. She used to actually be the housekeeper for the coroner. In kitchener okay so you're talking you know famous kitchener she was the cor- she was the coroner's housekeeper and she had her own large family so she you know and i learned a lot from her over the years and i just loved the that was the thing i did on the weekends was have parties and cook and drink wine and that's awesome. you know yeah. other shit and that sort of led to an interest in barbecue and um i back in the 80s God, I, that it sounds so fucking weird for me to say that. Like yeah. back in the eighties, yeah. when I was you know, you know, it doesn't seem that long. No, it ago, but, it see that, but it is. But oh, it is. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah, Jay and. hadn't reached puberty by yeah. this yeah. point. Oh, yeah, sure had. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse was still a title in his father's eye, probably. Yeah. Huh? I was uh, almost a <laughs> lot running down my mom's leg, but. <laughs> but I was helping this company at the time. I owned a, a, a business in in KW and uh, I was helping a company develop some industry-specific software for our industry, and they were in Dallas. So I would fly down to Dallas like every three, four months, and we'd have these two, three-day-long meetings on the developments that were going on in this software, and we were advising yeah. them on, you know, all the shit that needed to go in there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And at night was for drinking and eating, and mostly eating barbecue. Yeah. And so they're taking me out to these places back, you know, back roads joints. One of them was a tent with a big drum smoker with the prerequisite Holy. black dudes standing there cooking barbecue, yeah. you know, you'd pull the tailgate down on the truck and slop it out and crack cold beer and, there you, you know, just the typical old uh, uh, thing. And, and so that really sort of drove my, my um, desire to experiment. And um, again, I, I happened to do some research and found a place in um, Houston that was making real, you know, wood offset smokers. And as subsequently then doing a little bit more research, they found out he's kind of one of the number one guys in the States. And he has this welding sweatshop full of Mexicans like, yeah. You know, welding away all day hey, long in uh, yeah, <laughs> Johnny, <Unifer. laughs> like I Emmy mean, I mean the blowtorch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these these guys were in the long coveralls in the middle of summer, sweating like you know. And welding Who needs away? a mask? And yeah. so I ordered one for him, and we actually drove down. I took two of my kids down one summer in the pickup truck, and we drove all the way down to Houston, picked this smoker up, and came back. And while oh, I was really? down there. The guy told me about these barbecue contests. Of course, we all know what they are now because of food TV and everything. But back yeah. then, yeah. like well, this is this is basically almost pre-computers, really. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, there's no such thing as a cell phone back in those days. Yeah, it was the 80s. I yeah. know no <laughs> shit, eh? Like I'm dating myself. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I went down there, picked this smoker up. While I was down there, the guy told me about these barbecue contests. And he says, you know, you should and he gave me a bunch of newspapers. It was called the Kansas City Bullsheet, and it was all about kansas city barbecue society and blah right. blah blah so lo and behold we get home <laughs> oh, and i'm practicing on this thing throwing different co- like again the parties we had yeah. fuck, I'd be cooking so much meat that you had to have 30 research people in <laughs> yeah. order of research yeah. Yeah. research
0: in in quotes exactly. air
2: brackets exactly. and we yeah. thought we were pretty good so there happened to be a contest in new holland pennsylvania which is uh about an hour uh, east okay. of harrisburg um near hershey you know yeah that, that area harrisburg. men and i Hey, it's Mennonite country, man. You drive into New Holland, and it looks exactly like you're driving into St. Jacobs. Yeah, the oh, really? the, the the patchwork farms. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and and it's huge Amish country down there. Right. And as it happened, the guy running the contest that is an Amish guy. He, he's still there.
0: They know how to cook, man.
2: Well, we became like so. We did this contest, and lo and behold, we came in seventh out of forty-five teams. Whoa! Wow. And to to boot. We were Canadian, which they thought was like really weird. Wow. Like Canadians, you guys can't cook. Bar. You don't even know what the fuck barbecue is. And I'm right, like, we do, we have a summer. We do now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Represent. You're welcome, Canada. So that's, that's how it started. And we just, we kind of got hooked on doing, and of course at the time I own my own business. So it was kind of easy to take off on a Thursday and come back on a Sunday or a Monday because most of these contests were, you know, a day's drive away at least. Yeah. And we started doing that. And for the summer, that was kind of our hobby. We would go and do half a dozen of these uh, barbecue contests in the States. And after the first year or so, we started to do really well. And, and we were always in like the top 10. There you and go. they made and they paid cash. Nice. Like to win a grand championship was probably $1,500, $2,000 US. Oh, wow. Back in gonna, those days. Yeah. So we were actually winning money. Okay. And, and it was kind of, you know.
1: It's, hmm. It is interesting because now we're kind of used to uh, the, the what do they call them? Like the rib fests and yeah, stuff that come out. which comes is a around. whole
2: totally different animal, Jake.
1: But but it's interesting, though, that that wasn't a thing, though. Like, if we want to go no, back to the 80s no, or 90s, no, that stuff no. didn't happen, you know? That
2: all migrated out of the whole Southern barbecue that's thing. Yeah, So what do what you, you're doing. partially
0: yeah. kind of responsible for that
2: coming around <laughs> well, here. Well, interestingly, yeah, I mean. You are kind of partially. I I I kind of nobody knows this, but I kind of brought southern barbecue to Canada and at least to Waterloo region because we were definitely the very first. You heard it here, guys. Bar- yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's you know, got to
3: wind up somewhere in Kitchener famous, right? That's I would it. think
2: so. Yeah, well, that's that's probably the most my, Kitchener famous thing we've we've had there, on there our was, program. There was there was nobody doing it when we opened Hogtails commercially, I, for sure.
0: Yeah. I think you know. my grandfather paid your mortgage for a while. <laughs> he went to Hogtails. Like he got in trouble for my grandma because he's a pretty big guy. He's got diabetes. And the when you guys opened it was he's a big you know, he he embraces American culture a lot. Like the he likes the idea of Southern barbecue. He likes so the did idea I, of until four years ago. Yeah. He likes the <laughs> idea of, of a baseball game. He likes the idea of American culture, cars, everything, all that. He's he embraces all that. And when you guys open like Five minutes away from his house He was there (laughs) As soon as he caught wind of that He was there like Two times a week at least You know my grandfather Mike Batty
2: Yeah Oh oh, Big time Yeah Yeah. Well he uh, He was a good friend of my mother's
0: Oh, okay. There and in go.
2: fact, he lived up the street from us on Thorndale when we lived on on there Thorndale in Waterloo. Yeah. I used yeah, to see him walking all the time. The Prince of Thorndale, they called yep. him. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Mike was a great. He was a great supporter of ours. Very good supporter. He, he still
0: is. He knows yeah. nothing but good things. to see. Well,
2: actually, I've seen him in the Lank a number of times yeah. too. So yeah, that, he,
0: he would. Um, He'd probably go there for his. He's a recovered. He's an AA. Yeah, those, So recovered. was my mother. Yeah, so, yeah, that's how they met. That's right. So yeah. he would he would probably go in there for like a lunch meeting with yeah. some of his buddies, and yeah. he would go to your place. Like he yeah, loves exactly. you, loves your stuff. Like yeah. talks about it all the time. Well, we've
2: created quite a following. I mean, the big thing with Hogtails was you know we wanted to so, I, I don't want to digress too much, but the, the oh, there's a whole good. different way to cook barbecue when you're cooking for competition. Versus cooking for a restaurant. Oh, right. interesting. So you're cooking for a competition. You're going for some very specific um, criteria, type, yeah, criteria and, and, and way that the meat, like the way the meat has to come off the bone on a rib. Yeah. The way that, you know, it's a very meat specific contest. So it's not like the rib fests where it's basically a popularity contest. This is right. your blind, double blind judging. You're f- putting in six identifiable pieces in a box with very limited um garnish to denote you know like in brisket chicken ribs pulled you know pork so you're doing very specific things the judges are looking for like i i for a number of years was actually a KCBS certified barbecue judge wow. and yeah and we used to go down these co- and you and were a judge I was a judge that's the world's do you get paid yeah. for that to uh, yeah no Ju- judges in my sign mind after I became involved <laughs> with it and I and I went to a few contests and judged them I t- sou- totally soured on it oh okay because in my mind the judges were just a bunch of fucking pigs looking for a free meal and they didn't give a shit <laughs> so so sign a me shit up <laughs> wow well, they just didn't Where's give the, a what's the phone number sign yeah, me up exactly, man exactly.
1: <laughs> hold on free meal how much yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, these guys! You should see them. They'd walk out, you know, those nine by nine takeout boxes. Yeah. They'd walk out of because all you're doing is like taking like a little, you know, Samples. it's like the judge judges on the any of the it contests shows, on TV. Yeah. You're just taking a little nibble. Yeah. Well, they'd wind out with fucking six big nine by nine takeout. boxes They chappied the writer before stuff. a chappy, chappied yeah, the writer, writer. <laughs> the writer. Yeah. <laughs> It's bro, and I and I just sort of lost a lot of respect for it. In fact, it wasn't soon after that that we kind of got out of the contest business. Okay. But going back to it, so. Cooking to that level or cooking to that consistency and that specific is a lot different than, as I said, you know, taking a case of frozen shit off the back of a Cisco truck and dumping it in a deep fryer.
1: Yeah. Right?
2: So we tried to apply a lot of those principles to our barbecue, co- and we figured out a number of ways that I thought were fairly unique methodologies to be able to do that in a, in, so cook competition in a retail environment. Yeah. in a commercial environment, there and that's go. what we ended up doing. And we still really try to do that today. It's so.
3: and it's it, it, the best, man. It, it, is, it the best. is the best. Like I, I've I've eaten at a place in Cincinnati that has for Sinatra's picture on the walls and all this, and and these guys say, yeah, he used to he used to have them FedEx by by plane, or whatever. Barbecue ribs back to him, I and and yours are better than that. Wow. You well, I've, I well, thank <clears throat> you, thank you. For yeah. that. I mean,
2: I I've probably eaten in over two hundred barbecue restaurants in the all across the U.S. from the north to the south. Yeah. And one thing became really apparent when you're talking about kitchen Waterloo, since this, you know, we're talking about kitchen Waterloo, kitchen favorite. like yeah. you have to. People here have a, of I've learned have a specific taste, and you know. We err on the side of smokiness because I don't think people like I've eaten in places where you know you you got to spit the meat out because it's so shitty, full of smoke that you can't even eat it. Yeah, right. you know some of these places in Texas and um, in uh, you know I could name some of them. I'm not going, but you know you yeah you, you take a bite and you go holy fuck like it's just just basically like you're biting on a log yeah you know of mesquite which is one of the worst woods to smoke with in my opinion yeah mesquite i you know it gets such big good great rap but it's very bitter yeah and the smoke coming off of it is you're a hickory guy or whatever we're a we're a butternut hickory yeah because that's what's in plentiful well not so plentiful but it's in supply here amish like a lot of guys have it in their bush and uh, we get it from uh, from a young fellow who's a friend of my daughter's uh, out uh, near Wellesley. Okay, who who has. Contacts in the Mennonite community where they, you know, he gets the logs and then seasons it. He also, yeah. he's created a, actually because of, sort of because of us, with all due respect. Um, he created a, a whole wood, uh, smoking wood business out of, wow, out of originally supplying us. Holy so he does crap. chips now and everything. Uh, Jeff Furtado, Furtado Farms, it's called. There you yeah. go. And you'll see his stuff around in different places. That's in a, the a, Wellesley? He's out on the road out to Wellesley, yeah. Right on. Furtado so
0: that's Farm. Furtado Farms, one of our sponsors. Yeah. Uh,
2: fast Chips, uh, great laughs. See it. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <There> <laughs> <you> <laughs> <go>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, but it was his originally supplying us that he got the, you know, got, got, he he sort of had the idea, but developed it be, because, you know, once we showed him the volume, like we buy a shit, shit ton of wood from him.
1: So, so you got to give us, like, is there was there a really, you've been over to 2 what'd you say, 200, like? Probably. Southern. Yeah. What's, what's give us your worst experience That uh, was. Uh,
2: Outside it, it, of Birmingham, Alabama, okay. when you're coming in, um, uh, what the hell is the name of the place?
1: <laughs> We're going to name it. <laughs> well, I
2: can't, I can't, I can't remember, but it was a small chain. It was a local okay. sort of Alabama bar- yeah. barbecue chain. Oh, and well, okay. I can tell you one that I know. <laughs> There's a place in Decatur, Alabama that they're famous as hell. It's called Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. It's Alabama, and they're famous for their white sauce. Okay, oh, so man. Alabama barbecue with white sauce.
0: Okay. Sounds pretty appropriate. Yeah. yeah, that's what you <laughs> leave in the can after you eat there is white
3: yeah, sauce. Yeah, we got a clean uh, can out of here. We got, we got no... A lot uh, of people you know, no. love
2: it and will swear <laughs> by it, yeah, really? but I'm not a fan. It just... It, tastes like we overstarched no fucking not dark sauces gravy. down here no white yeah. turkey si- it's gross oh yeah yeah, yeah. just clean is like white meat. gravy basically but yeah that so that's two in Bell, Alabama. <laughs> i wonder why alabama gets a better <laughs> but no there is a place that there i remember just taking one bite of it and just fucking taking it to the trash can- oh there was a place in nashville <laughs> that we went to once too where we did exactly that kathy and i bought we had just gotten into town it was later at night the place was open we went in ducked in serving on a tray with the plastic forks. We took one bite out of it and went, this is fucking garbage. <laughs> and we literally walked out with it and took, and right, there was a dumpster right outside we hurled it oh, into the dumpster. Geez. So there, are, and you know, I don't fault the places because I mean, again, they're sort of, you know, f- with that experience, I mean, it was later at night and, and, and cooking barbecue overnight, having it ready in the morning, it's not an easy feat to keep it Good all day right our that's another little claim to fame that can go on kitchener famous is that yeah. i developed the methodology to hold it
1: there and you go. I,
2: right. I so we actually um are able to hold our product with a method that i developed all day long and i'm telling you if you cut the brisket at eight o'clock at night it tastes like you cut it right off of the smoker there you go. Really? So that's that another th- and that's consistency, right? You got to you can't have good shit at noon and terrible shit at supper time. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Right? So run out of the good ingredients, the fresh ingredients, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean it's still the best like when it's standing right, you know, when I walk in and not very often these days, but when I do and cuz I'm supposed to be retired and you you know the guys pulling the pork we literally still pull it by hand too oh, that's awesome and, you know and it's coming off the smoker and they, they give me take, some of that well they take the fat <laughs> yeah. like there's a we, we cook what's called new york shoulders so it has the fat cap and the skin on the one side there's two bones and a cartilage in there yeah so they pull the the fat the skin off that's got all the rendered fat underneath it and squeeze that all into the meat and then pop the two bones one piece of cartilage comes out and then they start Sort of tearing it by hand, and it's that wow. best you know, it's that part with a little bit of the rub and the gr- like the bark still on it. Yeah, and you grab that, and it's mm. game over. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh man, oh. that's making
0: me salivate just <laughs> hearing you describe it. I'm Sorry, like, it's Sunday, it's boys. it's coming I yeah. couldn't <laughs> bring any treats, so. yeah, man. Like, yeah, but you've, yeah, you've so got, it was, you've got it locked right in, man. Well,
2: it was that competition thing, and then you know, we did that for about 15 years, um, uh, part time. And then when I sold my company in 2007, that was my real job. Um, we were looking for something to do, and and I and I um, had this. I had rented this little shop out in St. Agatha. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, I used it for storage for all our shit, but it turned into a little kind of barbecue retail store. Cool. And I was selling Weber kettle grills and char- I was importing charcoal in from the U.S. I eventually even had a frozen or a cooler full of frozen steaks and shit that I was buying from my buddy down in Norwich Packers who supplies the charcoal. And yeah. so like we were doing, you know, and we were getting brisket. Nobody Amazing. in Kitchener Waterloo knew how to cut a brisket when we started. Yeah. I learned my butchering skills from Helmut Kohler. Yeah. Who used to work at Schneider's for 30 years and started Oh so Good Meats that used to be over um, in behind where Pillars is. Right. So Helmut was an old German butcher, and he had also good meats. When he retired, he moved out to his farm. He's passed away. Yeah. But uh, you know, I would go out spend hours with him. He'd be showing me how to, you know. See, you do it right,
0: like you when they. That's the culinary experience for any of the listeners. When you when you go into um, the Lancaster Smokehouse, you can count on Chris Corgan or a member of his family or the staff doing it the way that was it's supposed to be done. You learned from the veterans basically, is yeah, what I'm saying.
2: yeah. I mean, I again, that's how you know, with all due respect to the other places that have come and gone, yeah, and are still there. I mean, you can't hone the same kind of skill. Listen, I'm talking to musicians, yeah, we're, we're musicians, yeah, yeah. You don't all of a sudden pick up guitar like Robert Johnson, sell your soul, and know how to. Yeah. You know, play everything. It that's takes years it and works. years yeah. of hard work and dedication and practice. And, you know, that's what we did for the 15 years that we were on the barbecue circuit. I mean, we developed our own recipes for sauces and rubs and cuts. And, yeah. you know, I, I had to show when I came the, the brisket stores, nobody, I couldn't go, you couldn't go buy a beef brisket in Kitchener. Nobody knew how to, nobody knew what they were. And really? I went to Helmet and I said, Helmet, I want a beef brisket. Oh, yeah, yeah I got cut you brisket. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he, <laughs> comes back and he's got this fucking hunk of meat that didn't look anything like a. so that's not a brisket yeah that's a brisket that's the brisket I said no it's not the brisket it doesn't have the point and the and the flat and there's no big fat separation well fuck that's a fucking brisket what the fuck do you want me to do <laughs> really yeah. it's not a brisket You're arguing with an old man <laughs> I'm there. arguing with a butcher who's been yeah. doing yeah. it for like a hundred years <laughs> <laughs> Me is literally I mean that, yeah, in his so that's, blood type this yeah. guy. <laughs> but um yeah and, and I mean y- you know it's it's that and I really welcome the opportunity to be able to tell this story a little bit here because... Yeah, it's perfect. Not many people know about it, and not many people know about what we went through to get to where we are today. Yeah. And not many places have lasted around here as long as we have. So yeah. it's got to be saying something. You guys are... And, you know, yeah. we're still... Hey, with 10 people in the dining room, t- as of right now, we're still packing them in, 10 people at a time. <laughs> right yeah. on. That's yeah. great, though. That That's good. It says something about you guys, man.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, what happened with uh, then Hogtails? You sold that off? I sold
2: it to Daryl uh, House, who used to, uh, you, I'm not sure if anybody here knows no. him, but Daryl was the chef at, remember Peter Martin's downtown? Yeah. yeah. Well, Daryl was the chef at Peter Martin's for 10 years. Uh, he's the same dude who has Grand Surf Lounge and uh, the Grand Trunk Saloon. Yeah, uh, okay, okay. So that's Daryl. Okay, okay. So Daryl, um, actually Daryl came to me one time and for advice, and he was looking to strike out on his own. Uh, he was still at Peter Martin's, and he was just very unhappy there and wanted to go on his own. Yep. And this was at, still at the Lank, and we were still running the Lank and Hogtails. Yeah, And I was finding it increasingly difficult to run the Too. two locations. And not that we couldn't... See, we were smoking a small quantity of product at Hogtails, but be, because you needed to basically tend it, you know... And have increased labor. So I decided to start smoking everything at the Lank uh-huh. and then taking it up there.
1: Probably have and, the room at the Lank, too. Well, yeah. And yeah. then we
2: were doing that. And it's like because I was the guy that's jumping in the fucking van every day and driving <laughs> shit up there and picking stuff up. And then if I had a staff problem, I would have to go up and talk to, you know, like, yeah, I, I just I didn't dig it anymore. It was just too. It's, too, it's now. Yeah. Work. I that's had the big fun. this big place to manage and I didn't sort of. So, oh, yeah. so Daryl came along at the right time and I said, what about Hot tails? And he said, what about hogtails? And I said, well, why don't you buy that? I said, your cost of entry is way lower than starting something yourself. It's already an established business model. You can add your flair to it. You already know the food. And basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dream come true. So yeah. he
2: bought it and ran it for five years. It was, he had a good go out of it, but then he started the Grand Surf or Grand Trunk. Yeah. And the same thing happened to him. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And his lease ran out there and this high school up there. S Jam was yeah constant. They they'd go for like this with good years, bad years, good years, bad. You know, good kids, fucking rotten kids. Good yeah kids, yeah. Hope, sorry. Uh, yeah. No no, you can swear it's good. Yeah, cool. no, yeah. You know, it's the rotten kids party. I, I can remember having yeah, exactly. I can remember having to shut down a drug deal in the parking lot up there. Like yeah. there was a literally a guy selling. Yeah, I'm fucking, sorry
0: about that, man. I, I meant to apologize. Yeah that. yeah. There you go.
2: <laughs> selling shit out of his yeah. trunk and I came out and fucking slammed the trunk down right on his hand. Oh, oh man yeah yeah. Well, shit. we had. I was lucky. A bunch of my buddies are, well, and are now ex or retired water Regional Police. I don't, and so I, I don't. we had, I had a lot of ins and I knew this, the, the community um, service officer, what they want, whatever they call it. So I had a lot of connections with the cops. It would be like two seconds and there'd be like 14 cruisers there. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we had, we had a lot of good support from our, as we still do today, our, yeah. our, our uh, EMS and, and firefighters, the fire the fire trucks are in our place all the time, not because there's a fire, because they're always picking up takeout. It's because we they don't are. have a fire alarm in the smokehouse. Yeah. Oh, they're they're a huge supporter of ours and, and, <laughs> and we park we love them love them and
0: fit the truck in.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: they like the they like the barbecue man.
2: Yeah, no, they ah. come for so they'll come and pick up like you know, meals for everybody in the station. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So give uh throw a quick Quick, kind of a ad at us. Uh, for anybody listening who has never been to the La- uh, the Lancaster, the the Smokehouse, give them give them uh, give them a taste of what they're gonna experience.
0: No pun intended. Yeah, no, no pun <laughs> intended. Well, pun intended. Sorry, pun intentionally Yeah, pun intended.
2: <laughs> we're we're just a good old Southern barbecue place with with and and with Southern hospitality. I mean, you're gonna have a good time, and you're gonna eat great food, and we we do it pretty inexpensively it's good value for your money yeah. um and and uh you know it's 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 as much about the at- again pre-covid um when we could have live music <laughs>
0: yeah
2: <laughs> it was just about as much about the atmosphere um as it was about the food and uh you know I, again i've kind of softened over the years I, I um in that that this whole southern hospitality southern Food, southern. You know, you know, I can remember being in in um, Louisiana one time. No, actually, it was in uh, it was in Mississippi. I used to belong for many many years, um, and I just gave it up recently. Belonged to a, uh, an outfit called the Southern Foodways Alliance. And they're based at Ole Miss in the University of Mississippi in Oxford, Mississippi. Wow. And we used to go down to conventions every year and all this. And so I met, like, tons of chefs and restaurateurs and that's, southern food people, right? That's amazing. And, um, like, I still have relationships with, with, with some of them. Um, Chef Frank Brightston in New Orleans, uh, one of the – he learned under Paul Prudhomme and worked at Commander's Palace and blah, 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 blah. And he and Holy. I still correspond every now and again. I'm, like, you know, text him like, hey, Frank, hope you – and Marner are doing okay through all this bullshit. Yeah, so, yeah it's on. tough, man, but we're, we're getting there, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so that, you know, taught me a lot of about Southern food and Southern food ways and ingredients and cooking and methods yeah. and everything. And I said to this one guy out of, who lived in New Orleans, his name was Pablo Johnson, and he used to give seminars. He was a writer and a foodie and blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, he, he gave this talk one time on oh fuck I don't know let's just call it red beans and rice or something like that right and I went up to him afterwards I said dude like you're not going to believe this but you are just exactly describing what my German grandmother did like you know 50 years ago so don't tell me that you're so exclusive on southern food because man man. (laughs) like what all of and it's what I've learned since okay so southern cooking it all starts with the trinity right right onion celery bell pepper
1: okay that's what you
2: start cooking with its you know roux is flour and oil start cooking your flour and oil down oh fuck that's it's the same shit that we do here it's the same shit that the Amish do do. it's the same shit that the Mennonites do everybody starts Mirapa's celery onions and carrots I mean French do it like so you know what sort of bugs me and with all again I've said this about three times due respect to my southern brethren they ain't got the exclusive lock on what it means to cook southern food because the methods are the same, yeah. Right. The ingredients are the same, adjusted for regionality, yeah. Right, you know.
1: Well, you're going to get a different tasting uh rack of ribs at your place than you would uh down
2: well, not Louisiana necessarily, though. or something? not necessarily, no, you know, because again. The spices that we use to rub the ribs are the same. Right. Well, I will say one thing. You're bang on because you know why? Our right. pork is way fucking better than there the pork they get in the States. all right that right? That factory farm shit. And that's one of the reasons when you asked me about what was some of the worst stuff. Yeah. You could tell right away. It's factory it's farm. It's fucking tasteless. It's full of water and saline. And it, it's just. So you're free range, everything, everything. Well, we're as local as we can be. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't call it free range per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that refers more to you know like so i i
0: associate factory and free range as like polar opposites well am i yeah you'd be no no you're not wrong you're not wrong but
2: our our so our pork comes from basically from amish farms around southern ontario yeah and it's processed oh excuse me at fearman's in uh burlington Mm -hmm. where they have all those PETA protests where they hold yeah. up the trucks and that lady got killed there like not too long Holy ago shit. by standing in front of a transport truck that was trying to deliver the pigs Neat. to the plant.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And, uh, truck didn't see her, fucking ran over. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if you're going to try to water my pigs while I'm trying to make the turn into the plant, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, you know, I'm. it's terrible. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. So that, our chicken comes from a, a supplier down in St. George who buys from Grand River Poultry, which is a, a collection. See, like today, the it's kind of like the milk, Board and the egg marketing board. All these farms are interconnected. Like Conestoga Meats over here, yeah, is owned by pork farmers. Right. In fact, oh. they have their annual meeting, and they come to our place for lunch every year. There you go. All the direct you spell meeting with an A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So um, yeah, so it's all family farm. The only thing that we don't get completely locally is our brisket and the reason for that is is it's still Canadian brisket yeah I'll emphasize that it's Canadian brisket um and the reason that is is because there's just not enough supply here we were right. buying from a company a butcher uh operation down in Norwich called uh Norwich uh, Packers mm-hmm. owned by a good friend of mine uh, um and, and as I said he's really good friends with the charcoal people so if, yeah. You know, if any of the charcoal dudes are listening to this, well, yeah. you know, Ronnie Heleniak's a good buddy of mine too. And yeah. he supplies them with all their beef. Yeah. Um, had been doing so for many years. And we used to buy all our briskets from him. But he came to me when, but he would short. He, when we moved into the Lank, he started shorting us. We weren't getting the quantities. And I, I call him, Ron, what's going on? He says, man, I got to tell you, he says, the, there's, a, there's a problem. He says, like, we got, we have beef, but we don't have enough brisket to supply you because our front plate so the brisket comes from the chest here right yeah, so it's okay. the two cuts of meat that hang down from the cow's chest okay and what he was doing was selling the whole big primal oh. off to all these dudes in toronto he's says, like i can make more money on it because i don't have to every time you put a knife into that side of beef you're it's cost you more money right
0: yeah more cuts you more cuts you make, cuts you make. Oh, okay. so if you
2: take a big ass side of beef and you sell that. Even though the price is lower, you can make more gross profit dollars on it than you can in selling a T-bone oh, steak. Yeah, because there's not as much labor that went into cutting it, cutting it down. Gotcha. And that's yep. why T-bone steak sells for, you know, 19.99 a pound versus oh, 5.99 a pound if you. Yeah. You know, so anyways, you learned all this from Helmet. Well, <laughs> and now. a number of other people. <laughs> yeah, and owning so, a restaurant, I'd imagine. <laughs> so
1: how do you guys have a long like? Does your relationship go way back or?
2: What's the John, deal here? Well, when we opened Hogtails, we were looking for we wanted as a tiniest space as it is, if you've yeah. been in there or were in there, um, we wanted to have a grand opening. We were doing a big pig roast out front and we wanted to have some live music because again, the other one of the other loves of my life is blues. Yep. And you know, we'll get into the music thing in a bit, but
1: yep.
2: and I and I didn't know John, but um, somebody said to me, Darius McKinley John's son has a has a music um studio and right there. teaching school just down the road from Hogtails. And he said I somebody said I think his dad like is a local musician or something. You should check with him. It's called <laughs> Darius. I said Darius is you know do you know anybody yeah, yeah? like sign us up so then we met uh, and John played for us at our grand opening and we've been strong friends ever since. Yeah man. Nice. And nice. then when and I <laughs> so segue into the music thing like i played guitar and was involved in music and garage bands and everything all through high school and then of course you know started to discover other things in life and the guitar got put in a case and yeah yeah. what was her name for yeah 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 sat (laughs) in (laughs) the basement for 25 years yeah it happens right well that's right it happens life gets in the way and it wasn't until i met john again and i said you know what i'd really like to get back into Playing, but I i need help, like I'm so far behind, and yeah, so I started taking lessons from John. And oh, uh, nice. we nice. he got me back up to snuff. And uh, um,
1: what do you what do he let you up at his open jams at your restaurant? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know
2: what I like?
3: I like, like, I'm just waiting someday where somebody to come up and say, you know. You guys are a little bit loud. Yeah. Well, you want to talk Can't to the manager? But, yeah. you know, how about the owner? He's yeah. right here. <laughs> Can't wait. Seriously, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, get that
0: on film. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are too loud. Can you turn it down? Well,
2: can you? Uh... <laughs> well, the, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny how many times the, the barbecue thing and the blues and or... Well, obviously the two go hand in hand in the yeah. southern U.S. for sure. Yeah. But it's but it's really un- interesting how many times they cross paths, you know, even up here. Because again, for years I was involved with the Blues Society or with the you know the Blues Fest. And well, so
1: like it used to be called what Blues Brews and Barbecues,
2: right? No, that was something completely different. Again, Jay, yeah, that wasn't the yeah. Blues Fest. No, no, I
1: really? thought it was. Well,
3: it was. It was. Can we say it was the predecessor?
2: Well, yeah. maybe, maybe back then I don't remember yeah. that. So I'm, I'm so sorry. I thought you re- kind of had something to do with that. No, I'd no, wondered. Okay. No, no, yeah. it had nothing to do with that. But what happened was uh, when Blues Fest was still like again, num- long time ago, um, they they came to us and uh, we sort of started. I started doing the backstage green room food. For yeah. All the
0: artists. That's where you want to be too. Yeah, well, That's exactly where you want. Uh, you know,
2: again, the stories, right? Like I've yeah. met John Mayall, Greg Allman, Doctor John. There uh, you go. And I've <laughs> you I've, cooked I, for all them. Like I've sat, I've cooked for them. Wow. I cooked. I had to cook a special meal because Doctor, because a Doctor John, good old Max, uh, dietary. His daughter, his granddaughter, was his tour manager. Manager, okay. the year he played here, and yeah. she came and he said, "You know, Grandpa's got a lot of." food allergies, can you do this, 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 and this? And I ended up, I, I don't know where, we can't even remember where I got it from, but I went out and got some fish for him and did like a fish dish on a fucking barbecue, ass barbecue. Wow. <laughs> and and packed it up and I actually had to take it over to the Valhalla Inn to his room, hotel room. Holy shit. And got to go into his hotel room and open it up and you know, I sat there for half an hour talking oh, to him, oh, and you then he's to like, "Doctor John, I had a session with the doctor." And it <laughs> was at right. the time when he was heavy into the wetlands uh, thing with Tab Benoit and all those guys yeah. down in Louisiana. Yeah. So we chatted about, and as soon as he knew that I, that we have frequented New Orleans like crazy, he's, "Oh man!" And then he, and he says, "You gotta come and see me when you're in New Orleans sometime." And I oh. said, "Oh fuck, dude!" Like, and of course, I never did, no. never had the opportunity, yeah. but. What I used to do is because I never had anything with me, except paper plates. So I used to get all all these guys to sign paper that's plates. That's cool as shit. That is really. Cool. And so I have all these. I've got about twenty paper Come plates on. Oh, of all these so artists cool. that have signed them. Especially because you're oh, a
0: barbecue guy. Yeah, man, yeah. That's, that's the way you do it. That man. is so cool. You got their, um, their finger stained, their fingerprint with the barbecue yeah, sauce. Yeah, right. <laughs> Greg,
2: Greg Allman. I I sat. He he had to have the whole tent cleared out, except for him and his handler. And I had to serve him his dinner. Just me was in there. He, but He was but kind then, of sick at the time. Yeah, see, he was right? sick. He yeah. wasn't doing well at yeah. the time. And when I, you know, put it down, he says, sit down, sit down. Right I was on. like, fuck, come on. No, really? Great yeah. almond? Like, seriously? I'm like, you know, shaking, shaking like on fuck. On. And, he, yeah. and he's, he says, this is really good. Like, you know, he says, this is something I get back home kind of thing. And, and he's talking. He's asking me what, you know, like we're just having this regular dude conversation. Oh, for yeah. You know. 10 minutes so so chris how is it because like you're 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 making these
1: dishes for a lot of these southern guys you're saying greg allman uh dr john I, like that's kind of cool that like you're making their meal i was, meal to I was them totally piece. fucking serving, freaked out like i mean i'm stars. shaking yeah. the
2: whole fucking time i'm making yeah, something yeah. going like
1: holy shit i'm really doing this <laughs> yeah.
2: you know and pinch uh, of salt no johnny,
1: no not that much not that pinch <laughs> jo- johnny
2: Winter. um okay, he was no blind one. Obviously, at the time that he played here, the last time he played here, so he
1: could really taste how um, bad it was. (laughs) And he was
2: in a, as an RV, like a little RV. And I had to, again, I had to make, put it together, make it for him, take it into the RV, and I, you know, I just had to tell him what he was eating. And he says, "Man, that's cool, man. That's cool. Like really good job, you know, sort of thing." And I was like,
0: "Oh, fucking, you're serving the stars, man. That's fucking." All, all of our hero, everyone in, our, in this John Mayall right now. was another there one. You go. I remember
2: John Mayall coming through and eating it and and I said, "So John, can you sign my, can you sign my paper plate?" And I, yeah. and I said, and he's he says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And he was kind of gruff. And I said, "Although I got to tell you, I've been sweating it out back here through the entire blues festival, and finally, you're the only guy that started to play blues." Yeah, so, right on. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he was like, "Oh, okay, you know, yeah, that yeah, got yeah. on his good side." Because everybody else that, like, you know, when they started, I love the blues, but when they started getting big sugar, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. with all due respect, a lot of people like it, yeah. but I'm a kind of a blues guy. Well, kind of blues, you're you're like you're blues b- guys, guys,
0: enthusiast, meaning you want the original kind of sound like Johnny winter is a good example of who should be on the Blues fest right yeah, sure yeah but and we're and, of... and I
2: get it they've got all kinds of challenges would you be
0: pissed off if like John Mayer came one year or something would that piss you off well that or... wouldn't piss me off no but like just wouldn't go no, no. <laughs> yeah okay that's all I want to know so that's where you kind of he draw wants the his line. ribs
2: well done yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you know I, why? I, I I lost that gig um I think probably just through disinterest. Yeah. Um, with what was sort of maybe happening, just in the thing in general, um, you know, we we I I had that when I opened the Lank, I had this vision that I wanted to be like the preeminent fucking blues club in Ontario, sure. and I wanted to do like live music every night. I wanted to try to get big names. I like I had connections with some guys to be able to reach into the U.S. and bring guys up. And, yeah. Yeah. Like James, you know James Anthony out of yep. well, James Jimmy's a good buddy of mine. He's and you know he was bringing these guys in, like no name guys from Detroit and Buffalo and stuff. But they were like, fucking like sweet Claudette out of Detroit. You know, right. she played at our place probably three times, and she's just this old, like she had just you know grovelly you know. Um, uh, double entendre risque you know yeah and, and she's like 70 yeah <laughs> she, but she'd be going up to the 20 year olds and like you know <laughs> so, but um i i really wanted to do that and and um i i must say with all again in in context it it just never materialized because i don't my personal feeling is live music just doesn't get its due here. Yeah. And I don't know what we have to do to attract I mean, you'll get a hardcore small group of people that will follow and they develop a following and they'll go from Lana's to you know to Rhapsody to here to there and yeah. you know, they sort of show up at all the things and but but it's only about 10 people like i'm yeah. being facetious sure yeah but yeah. you know what like how can you make any money at that like i want yeah. 100 people packed into the fucking place yeah i want them eating and drinking and having fun and listening to. i mean i brought some taught. like i got sugar ray rayford out of california who you guys probably never even heard of yeah. Yeah. sugars had some um really popular tunes on uh on um xm on the bluesville channel and stuff he's a big Huge black guy, he sings yeah. like fucking crazy. His band had guys from like the the uh, um, Four Tops. And, you know, he had wow. Gino Matteo playing guitar. So a good friend of mine, and this is a whole nother music story, but Ralph Carter, who played bass for him for a number of years. Uh, Ralph has is a good friend of mine, lives in Ventura, California. Uh, Ralph is, wrote, he toured with Eddie Money. Do you guys remember who Yeah. Oh, Eddie Eddie Money, yeah. So he toured with Eddie Money. He wrote Shaken. Yeah, wow, and wow. and that's the caliber of like these guys were top notch musicians, and I and they were traveling up to uh, a blues festival in Montreal, so they were driving in the van, fucking typical band in the yeah, van yeah. thing, with the you know all the gear and the so kit they're... and the trailer coming yeah. up the highway, coming up the highway, and um, Ralph called me and said like, "Can you do us on a Thursday night?" He says we don't need much money, like we just need a gig, no problem. I, I brought these guys put on a fucking show that you just it it rivaled anything that has been in Kitchener Waterloo. I'm not yeah, kidding yeah. it. Yeah. Center in the square or whatever. I had like 15 people.
1: Oh, wow. You know,
2: like if and we advertised the shit out of it. But again, he's not a big name. Nobody really knows who he is. Yeah. But the show was unfucking believe. You were there the one yeah name for I the was.
3: The, show. Yeah, the guys are great. He just they just they just weren't Kitchener famous. Right. <laughs>
2: they weren't oh, Kitchener bizarre. famous. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's those kind of experiences. I mean I had I had guys like um oh JW Jones, I had Out of Montreal, I had uh um um Nelson, what's his uh uh shit. Anyways, I, I like I didn't you have
3: that one harmonica player from but Toronto, too. And
2: like oh, Harp Dog Brown. Yeah, I've had... Yeah, I've heard of You know, I've <laughs> had... I've had um, Watermelon Slim? Well, water- Watermelon Slim, there's a, there's a whole nother story. Yeah, yeah. I've heard... That
0: so, guy played the boathouse when it was under Doyle still. I remember that. Um, but I've got one of his CDs autographed. My aunt was at one of the shows. and Yeah, so you have a Watermelon Slim well, story.
2: Well, Ot- Watermelon, or Slim, um, I've played with him. Oh, yeah? There so the story behind Slim is he lives in Clarksdale, Mississippi, He's part owner in a in a cafe there called the Bluesberry Cafe. His bass player is John Aloisi, who lives in Oxford, who again is a really good buddy of mine. Yeah. Um, because of this connection that I had. So to to put it into perspective, number of years ago, um, we in our traveling in the south, we would always wind up in Clarksdale for, you know, home like it's where Robert Johnson sold his soul highway yeah, sixty one yeah. and forty nine, you know, La- blah, blah Last blah. train to Clarksdale. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um so, Clarksdale's a real depressed piece of shit town, but it's got this thing with the blues. And outside of town is this old uh, cotton plantation. And it's called, the. Uh, these guys have taken it and built it up to a basically world famous and renowned blues and um, hotel okay. that's made up of all, it's called the Shack Up Inn and all these. All, where you stay is in like old slave shacks wow. that are all converted. Like they got bathrooms and air conditioning and yeah. little kitchens and beat up old fridges. And sh- you know, the only, the only TV you can get there is you turn the TV on and it's XM bluesville playing on the That's TV I, yeah, I've, and I you sit I've on the this. front porch And so Ralph Carter and another friend of mine out of Houston, or sorry, out of um, uh, Dallas, his name is get this for a classic blues guy's name hash brown <laughs> and he got got the name Ash because brown. he basically was so pissed one morning after tour, after playing a gig that he fell on his plate of breakfast and his buddy called him like hey you hash, you brown. hash brown man and then it stopped his name's his real name's brian calway and he is but he is stuck. he's an un- unbelievable guitar player he is a He's a guitar and music historian. He can tell you everything you want to know about the early blues guys from T-Bone to Pee Wee Creighton to, like, he just, and he can play in all their styles. He's oh, a wow. fantastic teacher. And so anyways, Ralph and Hash, somehow, I don't know how they connected up with the Shack Up, but because of, and they started offering, they, they started offering blues guitar workshops. Oh, cool. So you could go down to the Shack Up Inn in this, Mississippi Delta Swampland Swamp. Well, yeah. it's, not, it's cotton fields mainly, man. Yeah, yeah. And Del- and it's in well, I the first one was in May of about 10 years ago. And you get you go there and like it's May in fucking Mississippi, it's like 130 degrees out, oh, yeah. Man, yeah. And you're sitting there on the front porch like playing blues guitar, so that's what it was, man. Grinning, eh? yeah. So I went, I went to I missed the first one, went to the t- and met you know, and these guys were running a workshop, so it's everything from what's the 12 bar blues to culminating on Saturday to a recording session where you can record a cover or you can write your own tunes. And, and it's, and it's just like, it's 10 hours a day with the guitar in your hands right. And, right. and singing and playing and workshops and individuals and one-on-ones and group play. And, and every night we have a jam session from, you know, seven till 10 at night. And and he brings in a rhythm section,
3: Oh, cool. Wow,
0: cool.
2: So, this usually the the drummers of a, a black kid from Clarksdale, Lee Williams, who's a great, great drummer. He brings in celebrity guys like I've met. Um, well, <laughs> here's a good story. So, after the Clarksdale thing, they started doing a winter one in Ventura, where in California, where Ralph uh, lives at this old historic inn on Highway 101 going up the coast in Ventura. It's really cool. And, um, Ralph's connected into the LA music scene so he knows all like a ton of people yeah and uh, one of the guys he brought up was this drummer You, know, I've told you this story Gary Malabar so Gary Malabar played with Steve Miller oh, on nice. the Fly Like an Eagle album Oh, that's so nice. that's the pedigree yeah. of these guys we're playing with right that's so crazy. it's a Saturday night wrap up jam and I've Gotten to do a version of uh, mojo working because of the, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. So we do, you know, and everybody gets a kick out of it and I get the get the crowd going. I got my mojo working, got you know, and everybody's doing the thing and blah blah blah. So Gary's sitting behind me at the kit, and I said, turn "Turner, oh nice. we're gonna do mojo working." He says, uh, and and he kind of looks at me, and I said, "Well, you know the song, don't you?" And he says, "I played it with Muddy." <laughs> oh wow! wow. <laughs> he Jeez. says, "He says, what beat do you want?" And I said, you played it with money. You fucking do the beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in fact, you can count it in, motherfucker. Talk, yeah. talk about fucking intimidating, <laughs> yeah. though, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a tremendous musician like but that was intimidating and ever since when we've been there for a couple we've been there two or three years yeah to ventura and every time i've played with him it's like and he's loud man he's like a fucking like bam bam like everything (laughs) the way it's supposed to sound but talk about a drummer with all due respect again yeah Yeah. he he fucking can play the drums oh yeah
0: yeah. i'd (laughs) hope so with that kind of resume man (laughs) but
2: uh yeah so um it's just been incredible like the journey uh these these blues guitar workshops that i've been to uh you develop friendships like i again i have good friends in uh, in california in mississippi in uh, that we that we've met and we're always you know yeah. now this covid thing has just fucked everything up like there's no yeah. you know there's yeah. no workshop i'm still supposed to go down there in may of next year but who well knows? i think
0: yeah i'm i'm optimistic about springtime i think springtime we're gonna see a big turnaround you let's know, hope so not I to get political but once there's a vaccine yeah i agree things with you but be, get I agree better with you. you know what i mean like we need that like big turn.
1: we're itching to play right guys? Yeah. So like, yeah let's
0: get let's get that fucking going again yeah. come on yeah. i mean
2: that? i can't imagine what it must be like i you know i yeah. i'm a garage noodler bet best sort of thing and uh but, yeah, but uh, you, for you you're guys, obviously
3: that... is passionate about Blues music, as you are about the about the restaurant business, about the southern cooking. I mean, like you, you're very knowledgeable. Yeah, you, you know these guys. You know your yeah. shit, man. Yeah, are It's we just, looking, Are we not looking at the real thing here? Yeah, yeah. He's honestly, really it's, the real it's deal. It's a lot, lot of. It's
2: yeah. a lot of just. I've been shit lucky to meet these people. Yeah, like really, yeah. honest to God. I mean, when you're, you know, you're there and you're in the, um, it's just.
1: But you can see the gratitude coming off you. Like to actually meet these people, and I think that's that's what's nice to see, man. That's yeah. where that shows your.
2: your heart he means your sleeve, it. Yeah, man. that's yeah, like yeah, it's the
0: blues. It. It's coming from Damn a real man. spot. You I, mean it?
2: Yeah. I remember one year we were traveling to Mississippi in May, in mid-May. So we were going down. We usually go down. We stay in Memphis for a night, just to because Memphis is awesome. one of my favorite cities. Yeah, it is. Uh, aside so from New Orleans, I mean, I really like Memphis. Yeah, um, yeah. and. uh it was the night, it was, okay, so I, I can't remember what night of the week it was, doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyways, we're on the drive down there and they just announced that B.B. King had died.
0: Oh, um, no. And it was
2: like, fuck, going to Beale Street the night of fucking bb king's death oh my god Seriously? it was like in B. B. a religious king's restaurant well yeah you get couldn't there? get in you're no, in, you're in the right place at the wrong time but it was yeah. just like a religious experience seeing like the anguish on people's faces mm-hmm. was incredible and you could hear it in the music that was being played wow like people playing tribute like the whole street was alive with people playing tributes oh, you know man. and it was it was it was Fucking amazing! That's really, kind of you were in the right little... place at the wrong time. But, yeah, <laughs> but it was on, we were on the road and in Memphis the night basically oh, that he God. died.
0: Oh, so, the... for um, a- anyone listening um, right now, uh, what kind of specials could we? Uh, ex- do you have any specials or anything happening days of the week or Take something out. like well, that? Well, again, um,
2: you know our the the survival uh, mode um, back in March when things turned for a shit. Um, was to you know it took us a little while to uh scramble and figure out how we'd get through this which actually meant that we had to re-engineer our whole menu Um, well because you know while we knew that you know everybody has their favorites on our menu and our menu was pretty big from you know jambalaya and gumbo to you know fry it to hot nashville hot chicken to all of these different things and um and aside from just the regular barbecue, you know, and we had to do a lot of soul searching at first to say, like, you know, we know we have to give the people what they want, but we can't execute this big menu because half our staff is missing. You almost have you know? to stick oh. to the hits. China, and yeah, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's exactly oh. right. So we that's what we did. And we came up with a menu that would work. Plus, it had to work well with curbside. Right, right. So some stuff like, you know... um, i don't know onion rings which yeah. was a big deal because yeah They're well we stopped making them because like it you know it's a it's a laborious process right you know fucking beer and yeah. flour and mixing. you gotta have the guy and and to to cook take that much space up in the fryers when you need to do sure. the shit that you need to you know so people again thank you for the the opportunity to tell the story because people don't understand what went on in the background they and they just look that. at it, and then you get all kinds of Facebook bullshit about people saying, Well, oh, you don't have this and you don't have that. I'm never going back to see you again. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, but they, you know, there's been com- your- yeah, there's been comments like thrown out where people are going, Wow. They, don't, they only have half the menu. Their menu is so small, I'm never going to visit them again. It's like, really? Yeah. Do you have any fucking clue what it's like to run a business? <laughs> or, or where
0: you came from, too. Like what, Like what? They, they're they going to hear this and feel bad about uh, Hopefully, they feel like shit, actually. I, yeah. Yeah, I hope they're like listening. For saying that. I hope they're listening because like I mean, you've th- gone again, through it all. It's an opportunity
2: like- to event. And maybe you'll get... Maybe I'll get hit on it. Maybe yeah. people will get pissed off at me saying it, but well, you know, any like, publicity is good publicity. You really got to understand <laughs> the 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 situation. I was just on a call on Thursday with uh, Nick Benager and Jody Pelubeski from Charcoal, and uh, Court Deselli from the um, um, oh, I'm sorry, the uh, Borealis, and a whole bunch of restaurant. Carly from KW Public, and yeah. you know, Jay Taylor was on it, and like there was probably 30 restaurants and the region of Waterloo, Dr. Shuli yeah, Wang. Yeah. Um, Minto Schneider from the tourism thing, uh, Waterloo Regional Tourism. Sorry, Minto. Um, yeah. The, the guy from region of Waterloo, the CAO. And it was kind of a bitch session for the restaurant saying like, this red zone crap is, is crap. Like uh-huh. Joe, J- J- you should have seen the look on Dr. Wang's face when Jody just said, Jody Pallybeski from Charcoal says, well, you know, here I am laying 450 people off last Sunday, thanks to you sort of thing. You know, when when the, the, the case we were making was twofold. This 10 person limit is an arbitrary limit that was ill thought of. I mean, first of all, we sit people in tables of four. So yeah. who came up with 10? Yeah, 12 yeah. is better. Like 12 would have been better or <laughs> yeah. eight, for God's sakes. Yeah. Don't make it 10. Yeah, one you know, couple. <laughs> and 10 people in 45 or 5,000 square feet of space.
1: Yeah. It should yeah. have been thought of in that In, in, in car. Con- but yeah. but I get it. And I
2: get what they're going yeah. through. And I understand it. And I empathize. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Yeah, You know, yeah. but so that and the fact that you can go to fucking Costco and jam in there with four thousand other that's, people, but that's you can't big, go to a restaurant with ten.
0: There it that's, is. That's 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 the thing. That's the it enraging is. thing about all this. Walmart's not suffering. Costco's not suffering. No.
2: You but know why? Mom
0: and Dad down the street are suffering. Here's my uh,
2: theory. That's bullshit. Yeah, close all the uh, little guys down because it's easier. Right. Because if you shut down Walmart and Costco and made them follow the same restrictions. Yeah. Doug Ford would have his ass reamed by the CEOs of those companies and the donations to the party would dry up. There you so go. Right. There's my. There's my. Yeah. Thank right. you for being able to share that with yeah, the public. Absolutely. And Matt, that's just a quick edit out there. At the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that's that's what pisses no, me it, off. The it most. is good to hear that and, man, because
0: we I, kind of think the same. You know,
2: they, yeah. and in the same breath, they're saying support small business. How can you support what it like if, fuck you're if you're shutting it down? down or yeah. making yeah. it impossible yeah. for them to run? The restrictions are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. they've I, got to I realign. That COVID is a terrible disease that's spreading like can spread like wildfire. Yeah. And can have devastating effects and and it's a killer. There's no question about that. The yeah. science is there. Yeah. yeah. But when you have 617,000 people in one 647,000 people in Waterloo region, and as of Friday you had 460 active cases, including the new ones. Yeah. That's point zero zero zero. Seven, four, five percent of the population. Yeah.
1: Less than one percent. Yeah. Less
2: than half of one percent. Less than half uh, of one percent.
0: Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, you need to re, I I think you need to re,
2: uh, I get it. Yeah. But it's, but it's not cohesive. Well, it's not spreading as much as they want you to think it is. It is spreading. There's no, but it's spreading. So, target where it's spreading. They're, they're not doing enough tests and they're not contacting. I think it's mostly uh, old age homes.
0: That's where it's... Protect the vulnerable.
2: Yeah. Contact trace like fucking crazy. Test like fucking crazy. Yeah. And... If they had a quicker testing process
0: on site, I think game over. Yeah. Like, if they could just give you a test... Dave Chappelle kind of does... You know who Dave Chappelle is? Oh, yeah. He he has a ranch in Ohio. And what he does is he's keeping... His big thing is obviously stand-up comedy. So he's trying to keep stand-up comedy alive. And what he does is uh, he puts on outdoor concerts in ohio he has a farm in ohio he set up a a venue and everyone has in this city has to wear his masks. his comedians who he's flying in from la new york wherever he makes them take a test before they get on the plane it's a 20 minute turnover and they know if they have it or they don't when they get on the plane they're fine they ride when they get off the plane they take another test just in case that first one wasn't negative uh, or sorry positive and then they check it and then they're all given a special ribbon where they're allowed only to hang out with each other so if there's 10 comedians that are coming on then or whatever eight or whatever it is they all have this ribbon and backstage it's a totally mask free because we now know that they're negative it's a mask- free environment so if but the, the what audience I'm, coming in the audience the coming in is stuff. wearing masks because you they're have outside. to right in yeah. outside and, and their' social distance
2: yeah I mean I I I get it and I probably shouldn't have vented that way but No, no but just, you know just, what
3: the musicians are being hit the same way well, you guys we haven't a living, worked
2: for god's sakes like <laughs> yeah. how are you supposed to make a living yeah.
0: yeah Yeah you know like Well we don't we don't I don't I don't rely on it anymore I'm, no, I've got I got another day job now well, because of that and that's and, the
2: hell of it because yeah. you know But I, I, I'm not saying I'm never. I didn't want to necessarily steer the conversation that way. No, no. But that's the restaurant. That's that's where hard not to. That's where we're at right now. Well, and this
0: is
1: why we want to get you on. And uh, you have you promote your thing, and hopefully, yeah, somebody who's never been there before listens to this and goes, "Man, I want to check it out." You know. where is uh, the Lancaster Smokehouse? Uh, Five seventy
2: four Lancaster Street West in downtown Bridgeport. There it is, downtown Bridgeport. <laughs> downtown. downtown. The
1: bridge on a Friday
0: night. That's right. Jam packed around the door. I've seen it, man. You you've go. got lineup. Yeah. Well, you had lineups before COVID. Yeah. Uh, well,
2: we got lineups now in the parking lot for cars. For yeah, curbs, there like you I go. go. You Fucking yeah? right, yeah. man. Well, it's like I said, we had to significantly shift. You know, back to the the menu discussion, and you're asking about specials, so we had to shift the menu to better suit the curbside business. Yeah. To which, again, our food perfectly suits curbside perfect. uh, because you know yeah. it travels well it yeah. reheats really well yep. you know i'm maybe not maybe not fries or something but you know yep. what they stick yep. them in the oven for 10 minutes they'll be fine you yeah go. and uh you know so because our food is is uh, very well suited to that we've we've seen a huge um uptick in our you know and change in our business model there
1: you go and especially You're with the 10 people it. right yeah, we're yeah.
2: you know we're we're doing like Saturday night, we did volumes similar to any Saturday night, but we had 10 people in the place. So that like, and we were speaks right.
0: volumes about Well, we went online, business.
2: we, we mm-hmm. create, I created an online order portal. So where's that? So, uh, where can we find uh, that? www.lanksmokehouse.com? There you go. Order, order online and, and social uh, media. You're up on that too. We're up on that. That's at the link.
0: Okay. There you go. So um, both, all the platforms uh, Facebook, covered,
2: Facebook, uh, Instagram. Yeah, start following us uh, so you will see specials. We're calling them throwbacks. So we're bringing back menu items that we had to drop because of, COVID oh, and starting go. to run That's them awesome. for a week. So like last week, I think we ran onion rings, you know? <laughs> well, this you week go. we're running gumbo or running ribbons or we're running, yeah. you know,
0: nachos. Or and texos, they're all hits, you know? man. That's awesome. Yeah, That's hopefully it. it shuts
1: those trolls up.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah, Man, you know what
3: I like about his onion rings? It, if, 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 they get, if they get old and they get hard, you can put them for, for your wheels on your lawnmower, man. They're that yeah. big. They're, I mean, I mean it, man. They're that, they big. that big. They're, big, they're huh? as
0: big as your head. Yeah, they are. They're huge. Oh, oh, that's a well. That's probably a really good spot to uh, to wrap our uh, yeah. our weekend warrior, Chris Corrigan. Uh, Thank c- you.
1: Can I ask a favor? Do You guys, like it's been, you guys both said you guys play music. Is it possible we can get you guys to do a tune? We sure can. Yeah. All so, right, So we're do we're one together. Is that yeah. awesome? Right? Yeah, we're gonna it. take you guys a quick break. Join in even. Yeah, yeah, let's. Well, let's take a quick break
0: okay. right here, and then we'll come back and we'll do a tune. Sounds like a plan. So maybe. I'm Jesse. I'm Jay. This is Kitchener Famous, and we'll be right back.
1: Well, if you're going through life and things seem
3: blurry, or you need your glasses fixed up in a hurry, the man's team will treat you right. We'll Fix all your issues related to sight, cause your eyes can have it all, in a chemotic
0: All right, oh. welcome back, everybody. Uh, we've got uh, Chris Corrigan from the Lancaster Smokehouse and uh, his website. If you guys want or are interested in uh, really the authentic Canadian um, southern. S- southern barbecue experience, you're going to go on to www.thelanksmokehouse.com uh, and then...
1: John McKinley. Yeah, we'd like to thank our third wheel as well for sticking it out with us. yum on. Yeah, you can catch John McKinley, uh, everything he's doing, www.johnmckinleyband.com. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, John. Okay.
3: I said for my baby, man, but she don't come I said for my baby, man, that girl don't come All the doctors in the hospital sure can't help with none And she gets unruly, says she don't want me She gets unruly, says she don't want me I think my 3220, I'll blow y'all half and two Where you stayed last night? Oh, baby, where you stayed last night? Come home this morning, clothes don't fit you right. All right, let's go slide, man. And it do very well. Got a 38 special, it do very well. I think my 3220, I'll blow y'all straight to hell. I said, Come here, baby, just sit down on my knee. I'll come here, mama, just sit down on my knee. I tell you one thing, child, you just keep on worrying me. Okay, let's go, Jess.